us this moment, that we would just fall more in love with you. My one prayer today, God, that we would see how much you loved us, what you've went through for us, the journey you've taken, the road you took, that we might just fall at your feet more often in our heart and worship the feet of Jesus. Somebody said, Amen. Six months ago, God just hit me in as I was driving my lawnmower, making me think about the feet of Jesus and the journey that they went through uh, to save a soul like me. One of my favorite pictures, though, I think we have it on the screen, is a picture of my 10-month-old Ariana. So she's like nine now. But she was in Trout Creek, and she's sitting on her mama's boots there. She didn't want to get her feet wet. And uh, that, that is one of my favorite pictures because there's mom's feet and there's her little feet both fitting on top of that boot. And for me, it's a little prophetic because you know that that kid one day is going to grow up and fill boots just like that. And as I was thinking about that, how I want to worship the feet of Jesus. You know, in 1990, Dr. Seuss wrote his last book, and it was, uh, Oh, the Places You'll Go. How many have read that book or read it to your kids? Oh, the Places You'll Go. So here, here's what it is. In the narrator, he describes this journey and challenge of life to a young boy or girl, that they're off to great places with shoes full of feet. He tells them there's great things going to happen in your life, but sometimes there won't be. You might find yourself confused for miles. You might end up at a place called a waiting place. It's a useless place. But he says, you'll move on. Keep moving forward. Go on with it. And sometimes you'll win, but sometimes you won't. Just keep moving forward. Avoid mixing up your right foot with your left. And he says, your mountain is waiting. Oh, the places you will go. Think about a picture like that and a story like this. I wonder if God thought the same thing when he saw his little son lying in a manger. Oh, the places these little feet are going to go. Sometimes you're going to win, and sometimes it looks like you're going to lose. He says, that last part, he says, and your mountain is waiting. And he thought about that Mount of Calvary, that his young son would walk his feet up that cross, walk up to that mountain. Oh, the places you'll go. What does the journey of Jesus' feet tell us about how much he loves us? When we say, walk a mile in my shoes, what do we mean? Walk a mile in my shoes. I wish they would just walk a mile in my shoes. It means I wish they would experience life on my side of the track. I wish they would just kind of take a journey with me and see how it is on my side of perspective. Or if we'd say something like, man, they just got trampled all over them. They walked all over them. Somebody just walked all over me. What do we mean? It means that, like, you got ran over by somebody, man. They, they took advantage of you. You maybe were defeated in some way. Uh, you weren't victorious in that area. Or if we said, man, that teenager's feet is always running into trouble, or so-and-so's feet is always running into trouble, does it mean their feet left them? Or no, it means that they were a tendency to always go that direction. They had a tendency to maybe make bad decisions or do bad behaviors. Or maybe perhaps we say, uh, stand by your man. Come on, ladies, you know, the song, stand by your man. Does that mean you always have to just always be right beside him? No, it means the position of your heart to his heart. That's how you stand. Or if we say, Paul says, stand firm, therefore, in the Lord. What do we mean? It means that we want you to have a confident position where your faith is not easily shaken, that you are standing firm. So you see that all those are, are ways we talk about feet. Now, not everybody's a foot person. I get that. We're not going into that. But, uh, you know, some people think feet are disgusting, you know. But at feet, they have a, a way in Scripture of telling you about the direction of a person's life. 
They tell you the direction they're headed. They're going this way with their feet. They tell you how you stand, your victories and your defeats. They define your life's journey, the road you've traveled. But Scripture says something, our problem is this. Our feet continually ran towards evil. The Bible says that we got lost. We began to stumble in the darkness of sin, and we didn't know how to walk. How many know that's true? Say amen. We didn't know how to walk. If you've been there before, you knew before Jesus. I didn't know how to walk. I didn't really understand what I was doing. My right foot and my left foot were always tripping me up. And it wasn't clear the way I was going. I had no direction in life. We hear that so many times from people who find Jesus that I was lost. Why do we say that? You were lost in sin, meaning you didn't know where you were going or how you are going to get out. Your feet were lost. But Jesus came to walk a mile in man's shoes. To walk us out of darkness and into his marvelous light, out of defeat and into victory. How many are thankful for the feet of Jesus? So maybe today you've been running from him. Maybe you've turned course and you've went your own way and your own path. Or maybe today you have really had a trouble just accepting Jesus' authority. You've been tripping over him, the Bible says, stumbling over him and his authority in your life. It's been hard for you to just let him take the reins. That's called stumbling over Jesus. Or maybe today you have tried to live this Christian life, and as you go, it seems like every time you feel like you had sure footing, you keep tripping up. And you're wondering if this is worth it or if I'm going to be able to make it. I try to get off of this, and I keep going back to that bad habit. I go do this, but then somebody offends me, and I lose my temper. We begin to trip up a lot. Or maybe today, you have been walking with Jesus a long time. And I prayed this, and I felt this for today for many people, is that you've been walking this journey, but you feel like you've been walking it alone. And that Jesus, you know, has walked it for you, but you feel like he's three miles ahead of you. And you've been doing this thing all by yourself. I want to tell you about the feet of Jesus. Isaiah 52, verse 7 is our verse for today. I think it's on the screen. How beautiful. Somebody say beautiful. Upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says, your God reigns. Somebody say amen. How beautiful is the person who came off of the mountain and told us that our God reigns. How beautiful are his feet as he stepped off the mountain and to tell us our God reigns. Let me tell you something. Those feet are the feet of Jesus. They left his home abode and came down to tell us our God reigns. He went up on a cross on that mountain. He got off that mountain to walk this road to tell you your God reigns. That's good news. Amen. How beautiful are the feet of Jesus. So let's take a journey with Jesus. I'm going to tell you seven stops Jesus made. And maybe my goal is that by the end of this, you'll just fall a little bit more in love with him. Okay. Number one, his feet sat above. Isaiah 66 verse 1. Here's what it says. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Psalm says, worship the Lord in holy array. How awesome is he? How holy and awesome is he that everything bows at his footstool. It's like Jesus could be watching TV and that, that couch or that bench that you put your foot up on when you're watching TV, that's the earth to him. That's how big he is. That's pretty big. I don't know about you, but that's pretty big. He's huge. He's enormous. He's uh, worthy and holy and awesome. And, and just can you imagine that earth is that small to him? And yet here's what he did. He came down to that little blue planet, and he made a garden. And the Bible says that he wanted to walk with Adam. Walk, he note, walk with Adam in the cool breeze of the day. 
But the Bible says by voluntary transgression, Adam and Eve sin. They turned from God's way into their own way. And by sin came into Adam, and through sin death came in, and death reigned. And we were excluded from life in God. And the Bible says that Adam and Eve heard the sound of God. Anybody know this? Walking. Listen to that. They heard Him walking. There was something about the feet of Jesus even then. They knew the sound of His feet. Oh, that we would know the sound of His feet again. Does He walk into your bedroom? Does He walk into a room like this? Can you hear Him walking behind you? They knew the sound of God's feet walking. And then what did they do? It says they ran and they hid. As God was walking towards man, man was running from God. And that's been that way ever since. God has always been actively pursuing us, but we've been running from Him. Man ran away from God who wanted to walk with us. And here's a good news in the gospel in the garden. There was a gospel or a good news in the garden. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity or hostility between you, the serpent, and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the... Anybody know? Heel. There's his feet again. You'll bruise him on the... He'll bruise you on the head. Or one translation says, crush you on the head, and you'll bruise him on the heel. What does that mean? God from the very beginning said, they won't follow my feet. They're running from my feet. I'm going to send my son. He's going to be born of a woman. He'll be a new Adam. And he will lose his position, but it will gain him a victory. It'll look like his feet were bit by a snake and tripped and fell as if he was defeated. But that same fall will be actually the crushing of the devil's head. Somebody say amen. So from the very beginning, you already knew that God was going to reign with his feet. Then number two is this, his feet walk below. It's been said, I read an article uh, this last week, that Mother Teresa's feet were deformed. A man went there for six months, and he asked the, one of the sister nuns, he said, why, what's the deal with Mother Teresa's feet? She's this beautiful, wrinkled, precious, older lady, but what's the deal? Why does she have deformed feet? And she told him, she said, well, every time we get new shoes for the orphanage and all the, the slums of Calcutta, she, they, she said, mother goes into that big box of shoes, and because she doesn't want any of the little children to have the worst pair, she goes and finds the worst pair, and she wears them herself. And so over years of wearing horrible shoes, shoes that don't fit her, it has deformed her feet. That's love. Now I want you to think about that, that God, in the same way, put on shoes that didn't fit. Somehow, God took this ruler, Jesus, whose footstool was the earth, and he put those feet in a little baby in a manger. He had feet that didn't fit his shoes. Even when he was talking with Moses, you know, Moses couldn't even tread where God, would, uh, God tread. Remember in Exodus 3, it says, Moses, you come into the burning bush, take off your shoes, for where you're standing is what? holy ground. Moses, you can't walk where I walk. You can't do what I do. You can't come into me with man-focused things. You can't come in with me the natural way. Moses, you can't go where I can go. And so what Jesus did is when we couldn't stand in his presence, the Bible said the word became flesh and he dwelt or he tabernacled or he walked among us. I want you to listen to me. He lived in a place we could not walk. So he walked in a place we could not live. What does that mean? He lived in a place we could not walk. We couldn't go to the bush. We couldn't get to his presence. We couldn't walk where he walked. So he came to walk the life 
we could not live. It was impossible for us to please God. So when we couldn't walk where He was, He came to walk a life for us that we couldn't walk ourselves. That's good news. Somebody say amen. He came to walk this road for you, to walk a mile in man's shoes. He put on shoes that didn't fit, and his feet walked below. Look what he walked through. He walked through temptation. The Bible said that Satan even tempted him to prove his divinity. He said, just strike your foot against this stone, and angels will catch you if you fall off this mountain. And Jesus says, I'm not even going to tempt the Lord thy God. I'm not going to let my feet trip. Satan tried to trip Jesus up from the beginning of his ministry. Let's just see if you can stumble a little bit, Jesus, and angels will catch you. Prove to me that you are God. He was trying to trip him up. But Jesus said, I'm not going to get tripped up. I mean, that's good. He walked through weariness. Remember that moment? He's traveling. He takes a detour through Samaria where no Jew goes. And here's this Son of God, Messiah. And the Bible says he was wearied. He was wearied. John chapter 4, he was wearied. And he finds in the middle of nowhere this woman who had a long uh, road of life. She'd been with multiple men. She was living with the fifth guys, not even her husband. She was not the re woman of repute. You know, she was not this perfect picture of a woman. She was always, not only was she a Samaritan, which was a dog to the Jews, but here's Jesus going out of his way, the Son of God, who the earth is his footstool, takes these feet and these shoes that don't fit him, and he walks along this road, wearied in flesh, hungry in belly, and he sits down by this woman, and he says, I can give you something to drink you know not of. He was wearied for her, and she was the first person he would tell he was Messiah to. Don't you think that's important? The first person Jesus walked this journey and told himself to was a woman that nobody thought deserved it. What does that say about a God like that? He walked through disease. His holy feet were covered in dust, passing lepers and sickness and disease. Many of these people with all these things would begin to touch his feet and bow to him. Remember what the Bible says, surely our grief and our sorrows he bore. He walked through our diseases. He walked through persecution as they were about to throw him off a cliff. The Bible says he passed through their midst and continued to walk his way. And that's number three. His feet sat above. His feet walked below. And number three, his feet went a different way. Sometimes you can tell a person by the way they walk. I've been told that about myself. Uh, I have a certain walk, and I walk often very fast. But uh, maybe you, you and your family have a different walk. You can say, tell dad in the mall. You can kind of see him walking. That's our dad, you know. Uh, there's a certain way you walk. Some people are waddlers. Any waddlers? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Any waddlers? Uh, shufflers? Some people shuffle. My wife works in a nursing home, so she kind of shows me how people shuffle now and again. There's people who sway. There's people who take a stroll. Uh, I like the word meander. Men meander through the hardware store. Isn't that right, Brother Larry? They meander to kind of just see what's there. Uh, they, there's a stride. There's a gait. There's a pace. There's something specific about a way a person walks. And when John the Baptist, in John chapter 1, it says that he saw Jesus walking. Didn't just say he saw Jesus. He saw him walking. And then he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What was it about the way Jesus walked? What was it about the way he lived his life that so many people saw this? When Peter first saw him as who he was, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinner man. 
He says it was the higher ways he was walking. Scripture says it was the straight and narrow way he was showing us. Jeremiah says it was an ancient path, the good way, that showed rest for our souls. You see, his way was so different that even a, a Gadarene demonic man with a legion of demons, as he walked by them, as he walked into that enemy territory, the uh, Bible says that the crowd came back around and saw that there was that demon man sitting in his right mind clothed at the feet of Jesus. Man, that's powerful. That even a demon-possessed man headed to hell who was tormented with chains and killed people and was ravaging himself, and at the moment Jesus walked into his presence in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Man, even demons bow at his feet. Have you noticed the way he walked? Remember the moment the disciples were in a boat storming in the sea and they didn't want, they were three and a half miles out, not quite sure they're gonna have, how they're going to make it? And what did they see? Jesus walking out on the sea. You see, his feet went a different way. Number four, his feet were worthy. John the Baptist, he'd say, I'm not even worthy, we'd say it this way, to untie his sneakers. I wasn't even worthy to untie the thongs of his sandal. I, I'm not even worthy. There's one coming after me, and I don't know if y'all know this. Y'all might just think of him a normal guy. Y'all might just come to Easter Sunday just to go through a tradition. You just might know there is a Jesus, and I am an American, and I believe that, there is, that this is the way. You might just have this traditional view of him, but this is a guy that when I would, if I had to touch his sandals, I would be fearful of even doing that because he is mightier than I, and I might baptize people with some physical water, but he baptizes people with the fire of the Holy Spirit. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. Now, I want you to pause there for a minute. How, how worthy do you think Jesus is? There's a conceptual, intellectual idea, because you're here in this church, perhaps you have an understanding, but what about right here in your heart? Is there a reverent awe for Jesus? So much so that a woman who was a, a prostitute, when she saw how much she had been forgiven, she loved that much in return. And the Bible says that she uh, broke a vial of perfume and she anointed his feet and she began to weep over his feet and cry over his feet. And it says she even kissed his feet. Now, I don't know about you, that's some touchy-feely Christianity, right? I mean, we've kinda, we kind of, you know, that's a little, we'd be like, I don't know, lady, that's a little too far. Your worship's a little bit too intense, it's a little too emotional. There's a lot of weeping and joy and shouting in this church. There's a lot of emotion in this church. But he said, but he who has forgiven much loves much. Amen. You see, she understood the value that those feet had walked that road for her. He had come by her at some point in her life and had passed her by and made an impact in her life. And so she bowed down in intimate worship at his feet. That same Mary that was the brother of Lazarus, when Martha's up in the kitchen, busy, 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 what does it say? Mary was found sitting at the feet of Jesus listening. A place that women weren't supposed to go, by the way, because that was the men's place. She wiggled in the middle of all those boys in that living room and began to listen at his feet. And he says, Mary's chosen the better thing. That same Mary, when her brother was raised from the dead, did the same thing that sinful woman did is that before he went into Palm Sunday, she broke her own dowry, her own life savings, her own retirement plan, probably $30,000 in today's market, I've been told. And she poured that on him and anointed him and his hair and his feet. She began to wipe his feet with her hair because he had raised her brother to life. How worthy 
I just want you to think about your Christianity. I'm asking myself the same question. Because when I look at Scripture, those found at His feet were true worshipers. So that means I need to find myself at His feet. Not just going to a church, not just reading my Bible, not just praying, not just believing all the right doctrine, but is my position of life found at His feet in true, awe-inspiring worship? Because His feet, number five, were pierced for me. See, the one who used the earth as a footstool for his own feet, the Bible says, in the night he was betraying, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash what? Our feet, the disciples' feet. Who are we that he would wash our feet? He's what Peter said. Who am I, Lord, that you're washing my feet? Just wash everything of me. Man, I, don't need to, I need to be washing your feet. And he says, but I'm doing this to show you something. This is what I've been trying to tell you. I'm walking the road for you. I'm doing something you can't do. I'm walking a mile in your shoes. I'm living the life you could never live. I'm going to die the life you could never die. And I'll be raised again because you could never be raised again. I'm washing your feet he wanted you to walk in victory. Jesus cares about the way you're walking. He cares about your feet. He cares about the steps of your feet. He cares about your footing, how you're standing. Mom and dad, he cares how you're standing. And Jesus for your family. Young person, he cares about the direction that you have for your life. He cares about your life journey. Person who feels alone, he cares how you're walking and if you feel abandoned and lonely. He cares if people have kicked you and trampled on you. He cares about your feet. I see in Isaiah, prophesied this about him, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 20. It says, the Lord was going to give you a bread of adversity in the water of affliction. But he says, but your teacher will not hide himself anymore. There's coming a day your eyes will see your teacher and your ears will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Don't turn to the right or turn to the left. This is the way. Jesus came to walk a mile in your shoes so he could show you how to walk. It's like that picture of Ariana and Beth on that where she's little 10-month Aria sitting on her boot. When mom would walk, it would only be mom's footprint. When your kids' parents ever put on your shoes, right? Isn't that, isn't that cute? Your kids put on these big old boots and try to walk, you know, and it's kind of hard sometimes. But guess what? When they make a footprint in the sand, whose footprint is it? It's yours, not theirs. Jesus was giving you his shoes. He was showing you how to walk in his steps, he was showing you what to do, and there would be a voice. He said, the Holy Spirit will come behind you and say, hey, hey, this is the way. Walk in it. Don't go right. Don't go left. I'm here to tell you, you're not going to walk this road alone. I've already walked this path for you. This is the way. Walk in it. Look at me. Look how I walked. Walk this way. And then we pierced him. They crucified him. Psalms 22 says, see his hands and his feet. They were pierced. You see, Satan wanted to trip Jesus up from the very beginning. Why? Because Satan had no feet. He had no footing over Jesus. Look in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. You've got to get this before we close. Genesis 3, 14. That gospel in the garden, let's bring it all back home. Back to the very beginning. God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts on the field. On your belly you shall go, and to dust you shall eat all the days of your life. What is he saying? We talk about a snake, right? A physical snake. Do snakes have feet? No. Why? Because they were defeated. Ta-da! Right? In that moment, what did he do? He took away the snake's feet. But that wasn't about a physical snake. What he was saying to that snake... Devil, you've been trampled over Adam. 
You're walked over Eve. You've got victory over them. They've fallen under your feet. But I'm going to tell you something. There's coming a day you're going to be defeated. I'm going to prophesy even now. You've got no footing over Adam and Eve or their children, their children's children. I'm already declaring victory for every son of man and son of woman. I'm declaring I'm going to send a son. And when it looks like you've defeated him, he's going to defeat you. Because, devil, you've already been defeated from the very beginning. Man, that's good news. Jesus was winning all the time, every time. When Jesus' feet fell, it was a fatal blow to the serpent's head. He would remove Satan's place of authority, his place of dominion. He would remove everything he had tread over man because Satan had no footing over Jesus. Satan was defeated even in the gospel of the garden. He had no feet to stand on when it came to Jesus. Thank God he crushed the serpent's head. And today, those human feet that did not fit his shoes... Those shoes that did not fit his feet, those human feet of flesh were made, went into that tomb, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and came up again glorified. John says, I saw him after that. He says, his hair was white as wool, his eyes a flame of fire, his voice the sound of many thunders, a sword proceeded from his mouth. He had a hand, a, a, seven stars in his hand walking among the candlesticks, and I saw his feet they were as burnished bronze coming out of a hot fire, glowing, radiating, were the feet that were pierced of Jesus. Amen. And Paul says, and he will reign until he has put all enemies under his, come on somebody, feet. And that last enemy is going to be death. You see, his feet are glorified, but one day coming soon, Zechariah saw him, he says, and I saw him, and he came down from that sky, and his feet rests upon the Mount of Olives. And John says, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Behold, he is coming in the clouds, and he's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords, and every knee is going to bow at those feet, every tongue is going to confess at those feet that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Stand on your feet this morning. Give him some praise. He is worthy. How beautiful are the feet of Jesus. How beautiful are the feet of Jesus. Oh, the places he has gone for us. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? How are you standing today? How are you walking today? Maybe today you are, as I said earlier, You've been walking your own way. God has been actively pursuing you, but you have been hiding and running away from Him. Maybe today you feel lost, like you don't know how to find your way out of a situation, even in your own heart, even in your own mind. You have tried to fix your life, but you just can't seem to fix it and get it all together. Would you come back to the feet of Jesus? God has sent you here today. He has been pursuing you. Maybe here today you feel like, it's just been hard, Pastor. You just don't know. I felt so alone. Every time I try, I just keep tripping over my own two feet. I've tried to do this Christianity thing. I've, I've tried to keep it all together. But every time I try, something happens and I feel like I just fall down. I want you to come to Jesus' feet. Maybe today you've been, trying, you've been trying to do it by your own strength and effort and knowledge. But He's not calling you to walk on your own footsteps.
He's calling you just to cling to him. Just like that little kid clings to mom and dad's foot or puts their shoe, their feet in mom and dad's shoe. He's calling you to just cling to him like these people who bowed at his feet. Just cling to his feet. He will walk this road for you and with you. You've been doing it all on your own and failing and failing again. Just stop worrying about how to do it. Just start clinging to the feet of Jesus. Find yourself worshiping at his feet. He will walk this road for you and with you. Or maybe you're here today, saint of God, you have been walking this road with Jesus, but he's felt so far away. And you really haven't felt that worship rise up in you again like that young lady who was forgiven much and she loved much and she found herself weeping snotting, crying over the feet of Jesus, even willing to kiss his feet and you say, Pastor, I don't have that intimate relationship which it's been a long time since I've really felt that way an awe-inspiring love for Jesus, I need to get that back it's nothing you can do in the natural, but it's simply saying, Father, remove every ounce of tradition, every ounce of legalism, all the hypocrisy, all the man-made stuff out of my relationship with Jesus, all the churchianity. Remove all that stuff. I just want to have an intimate worship with Jesus. That comes to Holy Spirit's just going to help you see how much he's loved you he's done for you. I can't do that for you. It's simply you in this moment. Every man, woman, boy, and girl in this moment is about to make a decision. Am I bowing myself at the feet of Jesus and am I walking in his steps? Every person in this room right here, right now, before you leave today has the choice to get closer in worship at his feet and to walk out of this place differently. Don't leave the same way you came. If you don't know Jesus, come to this altar. Find a place to pray. Someone's going to pray with you. If you just need someone to help you through a time of need and trial and tribulation, come to this altar. Someone is going to be there to meet you and pray with you. But we're going to make a choice. Jesus, I worship at your feet.